So the first turkey sandwich that showed up was on a long roll with like slightly different vegetables on it. It seemed okay. like specifically tailored to a person. This okay. one, um, you know, in the nineties, like when, when serial killers became a thing, then right on the there heels like of that, there was copycat, copycat killers. killers. Yeah. yeah. This is a copycat killer turkey sandwich Uber eats order to my house. Okay. So this one was not on a long roll. My question is like, was to, it like a club sandwich? Yeah. It was like a club. Um, my question is to the person who sent this one, like, you know that the first one was sent and then rotted all night on my porch. <laughs> Why would you send the joke second turkey sandwich also in the middle of the night? The first one was a mistake. But this one, like, you made it so that, like, I don't even want to eat the sandwich. Like, you could have done it at, like, a more respectable hour. I well, feel I mean, like. it was, like, below freezing last night. The sandwich was probably fine. The the sandwich is, in fact, encased in ice. <laughs> um, so it's okay. It's just, like... Just a Wawa turkey sandwich is not the sandwich you want frozen and then dethawed. It's already, like, moist to begin with. You know what I mean? Well, so I just looked up your status about it. That's what I was doing on your phone. Okay. And, like, if you were going to have a, uh, a copycat killer, like, last night your status said that you got a club sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> so this is you. Because, of course, we all know you didn't do this. This is you explaining the pathos behind the person who did potentially do this. Got it. That's what my perception would be. My perception is that if this was like a Netflix documentary, everybody <laughs> would be fucking looking at you right now. Yeah, and it would be a huge misdirect and they'd be wrong at the end. Well, that is what classically is makes for a good crime doc. So I'm waiting for the next twist. But um, my question is... The next twist is, like, a random person comes my, to my, my house. My question is, like, how are they not, like, knocking on your door? Like, I mean, maybe they are. It's 2 in the morning. But it's also a world in which contact delivery is, you know, they think, like, oh, just put it down on the Like, stoop. this seems to me like somebody is ordering Uber Eats and then, like, themselves physically dropping at your door. Because throughout all of... I order no, it have my address on it, dude. Wait, what? It has my address on it. Like on the receipt? Yes. And my name. Wait. I told you this. You need to to read all my stats. it has your full name on it? Like first and last name? No, not last. It says Daniel and then my address on the receipt from Uber Eats. That's what's so fucking nuts That's like more makes it seem like it's me. I know. I mean, there's not a single part of this that doesn't seem like it's you, honestly. But (laughs) the fact is you would have admitted it to me by now. It wouldn't even be funny still if you were still doing it. I'm I mean, like, sort of would be. Is it, so, do you like do you like turkey sandwiches? So, like this is you to- like trying to determine what you want to order for me next. Oh, so <laughs> let me talk to you as if I don't know that you did it. Um, yeah, uh, to whoever sent me the turkey sandwich, I love a buffalo chicken tender sandwich with hot sauce on it. From no, what I'm, what I'm getting at is like, is there someone like? Do you have a history with turkey sandwiches so that None. like we, we can like term determine if this is None. like an actual mistake the first time and, and or if being like the watermelon sour patch kids? I mean, I do enjoy them, but I've never told anyone in my life like get me a bag of watermelon sour patch kids. It's just so specific. It is so specific and had my name and address on it, Dan. <laughs> I. I'd, I'd promise you, Dan, I wish that I was clever enough 
to come up with a plan that would cause you this much distress. <laughs> I know. This you, much spend, distress. you spend years trying to formulate something that could annoy me as much as yeah, this has. When I saw your statuses, first of all, like I didn't see them at first because I was on vacation. So they were like everything was delayed because I had terrible Wi-Fi. I didn't see it till like 14 hours after you posted it. And I was like, whoever did this is like who I aspire to be. I, I, I didn't make it. This one started, buddy. Yeah, I can't wait. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Movies Blues Podcast. I am the maestro of marinara, Johnny Toronto, aka Kenny Quebecois, aka Larry the Maple Leaf Giuliani, aka Angelo Syrup Hockey Giuseppiato. <laughs> okay, I don't I don't want to identify myself and associate with any of this. Right from Jump Street. As per usual, that's Dan Enden, and welcome to the Movie Blues Podcast. Um, today, we are going to be covering a fucking gem, dude. Yeah, baby. Um, every once in a while, a movie comes along that combines many of our interests, um, be it inside jokes from the pod, be it um, racial stereotypes we've been coasting on all season, be it Dan's general distaste for whole swaths of the American population, <laughs> immigrants and beyond. Um, this movie has I have all no of problem that. with immigrants as a whole. Um, and no, just just the Italians. Um, and uh, <laughs> today, uh, that film that we're going to be talking about is Little Italy, um, a romantic comedy from 2018, um, starring Hayden Christensen of um, Jumper fame. Um, <laughs> Uh, I was gonna say of shattered glass fame. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't even remember that one happened. Oh, uh, dude, shattered glass is a great movie. That um, was what. That was when everyone thought that Hayden Christensen was gonna be like the next fucking like Jake Lloyd, like legitimate actor. Um, like every episode of this podcast, this all begins and ends with Star Wars. Um, and um, for me, uh, the way that I roundabout ended up on this one is that uh, a week ago it was announced that Hayden Christensen, and of course the actor who played Anakin Skywalker in the fantastic and flawless Star Wars prequels, um, <laughs> um, it, it was announced that he's going to be joining the new Obi-Wan show. Um, and that prompted my wife to ask me, what else has he been in? Has he been in anything since Star Wars? So I went to trusty old IMDb where I was confronted with a list of between one and ten words. And <laughs> and within that, I saw the movie Little Italy. Um, I clicked on it. Uh, I went to IMDb. It didn't seem very interesting to me until I got a glance at the poster, um, which uh, portrays a bronzed Italian blackface version of Anakin Skywalker wearing a shirt that says Luigi's Pizza. Um, and that was it. <laughs> that was it. I immediately texted Dan. I said, I have a romantic comedy I want us to watch. I, I wouldn't tell him the title because... I felt like that I needed to bury the lead a little bit with this one. Um, if I told him right off the bat we're watching a movie called Little Italy, I knew I was going to experience a little bit of kickback. Um, no, no. The second that you said romantic comedy, I was like, oh, 
if Dan wants to watch this, this is going to be a fucking like a nightmare. <laughs> a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you are a listener to this podcast, um, thank you. And also, you are aware that I do not like romantic comedies. Um, the only romantic comedies I really enjoy are ones that double to quadruple down on their own bullshit uh, and are just terrible as a result. That's the only one I can really enjoy, as it were. Um, the ones that I actually try hard, I feel nothing for. Um, they make me feel no emotion, unless we're talking about Annie Hall, but I don't think that's a romantic comedy. It's just like a good movie. Just wait for Jersey Girl. Um, yeah, Dan Dan has reminded me uh, multiple times that in doing this to him today that I owe him a Jersey Girl token. I will agree with him on that. <laughs> I'm going to swallow that one down sometime in my near future, <laughs> which I, I'm sure is, again, about like Italian people, right? Jersey Girl has like an Italian subplot, yeah? Um, no, again, that's Gigli. Oh, right, G- again. That is Gigli. <laughs> I keep mixing up a good movie with a bad movie. I'm sorry. Which one is the good movie? I don't know. Both situation. are terrible. Um, so, um, <laughs> Gigli is the second movie in which Ben Affleck converts a lesbian. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And yet I confuse it with a movie where that is not the case. Yeah. You <laughs> confuse it in a movie where Ben Affleck is a widower taking care of a daughter. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to confuse it with Chasing Amy. It could not be further <laughs> from that, I'm sure. So, um. Julie is just chasing Amy with a hitman. Mm. Wow. I can't wait. That really cues me up even more. Um, we should do a double feature. Do you know how confusing that would be for me, Dan? <laughs> like, if I were to watch those movies at the same time, I would never be able to t- tell the part ever again. No, you would, because in Geely, Ben Affleck talks like every character in the movie we watched today. <laughs> so a little bit about the movie we watched today. I have done no research on this whatsoever, so I don't know if you I've have... I've done tons. Oh, you've done tons. But um, I just want everybody to know right off the bat, um, we are going to play you a trailer in a second, but um, this movie, Little Italy, uh, from 2018, uh, is... Basically, I don't want to give away too much about it because um, the least ridiculous thing about it is its basic premise. Like, if you zoom all the way out, you may have assumed that this could have been an actual movie meant for people to watch and enjoy. Um, So from a a macro level, yes, this is a telling of the Romeo and Juliet story once again, um, this time with Emma Roberts um, of The Hunt fame and Hayden Christensen of Shattered Glass fame. it was that the name of the movie, Shattered Glass? Yeah, Shattered um, Glass. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't fuck that up. Um, and um, uh, the two of them are kind of the progenies of rival pizza operations in a classic New York, Little Italy town where pizza's on the menu and spaghetti's in the air. Um, and, it, you know, it's a love story. It's an irreverent comedy. It's kind of like my big fat Greek wedding by way of The Godfather Part 3 a little bit. Um, and it features um, some some cast layover from my big fat Greek wedding. It does also feature some cast layover from every movie we've watched from this podcast <laughs> yeah. as well. Um, and so, yeah, let me hit you guys with a trailer first. Here you go. Nicole, I'm opening up a new place in Mayfair. If you want the job, you're going to have to have your visa changed. And that means you're going to have to go back home. I have to go home? I know, I feel your pain. The last place I wanted to go back to was... Our little Italy. Where nothing changes. You're so thin. What happened to her ass? No one trusts a skinny cop. Get in there. Get in there. As it tastes. Just like home. (laughs) Little Italy is not big enough for me and you. When did all this go from crazy... What'd you put in the pizza today? What was the same, the best. That's not oregano. Too batshit insane. Bye-bye. I'll get you for this, you spruce. 
While our families have been at war, love has been at work. I get your drink? So who's kicking your ass at soccer these days? So we take this outside? It's raining. I'm afraid you might get wet. I am. Oh my god, did I just say that out loud? They're sons. I think they're on to us. What are we spies? Give me a kiss. There's an old Italian saying I learned from my nonna. Hey, what's that? If you want it, you have to put a ring on it. What was your grandmother's name? Beyonce? No, Bianca. My father would consider this the highest form of treason. What's that, the pizza or us being together? Both. It's kind of complicated. No, 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 no. My dad is going to kill me. I mean, I, I slept with Vince's son. Oh, my God. Yeah, you were saying that a lot last night. Everything's more special now that you're back. I'm sorry, I, I can't. No, 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 I've worked you're, you're... too hard to come back to this. You know, there's a reason why they call it Little Italy. Because nothing ever changes here. In here. Do you love him? Does it matter? What are we doing? I'm not a kid anymore. Leo, you can take the girl out of Little Italy. But you can't take little Italy out of the girl. Show her what she's missing. Come here, Miko. You and Nikki, you like Romeo and Juliet, huh? Romeo and Juliet died. That's a bad example. Love you the same. Oh, wow. Woof. Maron. What a ride. Manja. Um, what does manja mean? What I, I, I should have looked that up. Now they they were screaming it the entire movie at each other. Okay. They're like manja, please. Um, yeah. But again, this movie was uh, written by an Indian man, so I'm not sure he even looked up what any of yeah, these phrases mean. I don't mean. believe that an Indian man wrote this movie. I believe that they made a robot listen to a thousand hours of the movie blues <laughs> podcast and churn out a screenplay. Um, it it really is a fact of 20 minutes into this movie, uh, I was convinced that much like the phantom turkey sandwich that arrived on my door the other day. This movie was made in secret solely to entertain me. Um, it was hand-tailored to make me laugh and feel embarrassment for the world around me and for artistic um, endeavors in the film industry as a whole. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm pretty sure I wrote a novel before the intro credits were even done. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, you know, we're looking at a basic Romeo and Juliet plot. Uh, we're looking at a, a beautiful, pitch-perfect, accurate representation of New York City's Little Italy neighborhood. Um, and then about 10 minutes into the movie, the fucking wheels fly off the wagon and we <laughs> head into what can only be described as like an Italian Indian man's nightmare. Um, <laughs> now, earlier in the season, we watched a movie called Anti-Coronavirus. Um, Anti-Coronavirus was a film that was made by an Indian filmmaker as he appraised what it would be like to be an American fighting against the woes of a pandemic. Um, just like The Room, just like famous bad movies where it's made by a foreign auteur who can barely speak English writing dialogue for two hours of a movie, uh, Little Italy is a misbegotten disaster. Um, it's really like... Yeah, starring I, two co-stars who are the least Italian-looking people I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay, so let's start with you know what we got on the face of this movie as it began. Um, you are introduced... Uh, to a flashback of Hayden Christensen and Emma Roberts as children. Now, granted, the children we're looking at are Italian, um, <laughs> are the same age, I would assume. Um, and, um, you know, it kind of started innocently enough, even though in this intro scene, they kind of introduced the characters by showing the two of them set off like an M80 in an old man's face. Um, 
found that a little disturbing. Um, but overall, you know, we're being set up for, a, you know, a genuine Italian experience. Um, but this experience was much more like um, an Olive Garden than it was like going to actual Little Italy. Um, it was uh, only minutes until we are then introduced to their um, adult counterparts, Hayden Christensen and Emma Roberts, two pitch white people. Yeah. Um, now, mind you, mind you, leading up to this during the intro scene where it's just kids, I'm, 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 you know, we have these nice landscapes of a, a very Italian neighborhood in New York. Yeah. There's a bunch of people. There's like newsies running around speaking like, hey, you get your paper. But they all have like fucking very Italian accents. Yes. Every I was keeping an eye on the credits with the exception of the writer producer. Every single name was like Vinny Scaramucci and Tony Calamari and right. Bobby Tamaguchi. Like yeah. I was like, OK. Here we are for an authentic Italian rom, <laughs> and then the kids grow up into Emma Roberts and Hayden Christensen, who is at least like looks like eighteen years her senior. I, I did not look it up. I would assume that Hayden Christensen is a whole teenager's age older than yeah, Emma Roberts. The, somehow, the most offensive aspect of this film is the implication that they are the same age. Like, <laughs> like Hayden Christensen had ruined entire beloved childhood properties. Before she even had her first period. Um, yes. <laughs> he had flipped his first pizza before she had taken her first steps. That is without a doubt. Um, yeah. <laughs> Aiden I, Christensen, as well as his dad, Adam Ferrar, in this movie are both playing Ralph Macchio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I imagined a world in which Emma Roberts, as, as like a seven-year-old, went and saw Star Wars Episode Three and was like watching it and was like, yeah, I'm going to fuck him in Italian blackface one day. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, we meet these characters, and now, like Dan said, um, uh, the producer and writer of the film um, are Indian. The the director, um, as Dan pointed out to me after he had watched it, um, is more of a romantic comedy director. Kind of like um, when you're a romantic comedy director, you don't really have any talent. They just point you in a direction, they give you two stars, and you do your thing, and usually it's successful. Um, what is to note here is that while the director is not Indian, the writer slash producer is, and those two jobs in many ways craft the film that we're seeing far more than a director. The director is simply there to, you know, pump up the cast, organize everything, put it together. But it, it is obvious to me, at least, that all creative decisions, all of the writing decisions, Italian dialogue between... Um, lifelong Italian family members to each other are being written by what I would assume to be a vainglorious Canadian Indian man. Yeah. Um, Where, whereas for anti-coronavirus, I felt that Dan was probably going a bit overboard with his assumption of the intentions of the filmmaker, mm -hmm. um, trying to assume that this is how white people would handle everything. I felt that was more of just like that guy happened to live in America and that's where he could get a movie made for $7,000 in three days. And he, saw, he felt this was how everyone was generally handling, handling coronavirus. Right. Th this movie actually felt like an Indian man trying to imagine and portray what he sees the Italian American community to be in the most cartoonish way possible. Yeah, they, they're very dramatic. Um, they like to fake heart attacks regularly. What do white people like? They like competing with food. <laughs> <laughs> they like red sauce. Um, yeah, this movie, Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, uh, when, when, when would you say, Dan, 
that you knew that this was going to be your favorite movie you've ever seen. Um, for me, it was when we meet Jane Seymour's character. Um, Jane Seymour of Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman fame is Emma Roberts's boss. Now, let's just set up the crux right off the bat of how the Romeo and Juliet story operates within this Italian framework. Um, you have two families that run one pizza place back when Hayden Christensen and Emma Roberts are kids. Um, an argument is had between those matriarchs um, and patriarchs of those two families. We don't know about what. It's going to be a huge secret to be underwhelmingly revealed yeah. later. Um, it's, a, it's a Montague Capulet situation. It is definitely that. Um, and in this case, an argument splits the family. And as a result, Emma Roberts' character decides, I've had enough of this pizza Italian bullshit. I'm going to become a Michelin star chef. I'm going to devote my life to becoming the best chef that I possibly can be. So when we meet these characters as adults, um, Hayden Christensen is still living in the hometown, like romantic comedy style, doing his thing and whatever. And Emma Roberts is off at an elite London culinary school where Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman is her boss. Dan, would you like to um, tell the audience what Dr. Quinn um, says about <laughs> says about uh, a meal of one of her students um, in the kitchen right off the bat? I, I don't recall. Um, so I, I think even before this, we have to introduce the fact that this movie is narrated by both Hayden Christensen and Emma Roberts um, yes, yes. In, in a conversational style, which is so unnerving. Um, I don't know if I've ever seen a movie where two characters are narrating. Have you? Um... Not off the top of my head. I'm I can't sure think I of have. a single movie where, because why? <laughs> right. <laughs> not like I'm not trying to say that um, Vinjay or whatever his name is uh, came up with some like amazing new paradigm in filmmaking. I'm saying that to have two narrators in your movie. Not to is mention terrible. that they're like talking over each other the whole time. And oh shit. yeah. He's like, no, nah, no, nah, you like pizza, and she's like, no, nah, you did the pizza. It's like unnerving. <laughs> it's literally unnerving to listen to, and it also by having both of them narrate immediately confirms that by the end of the film they're going to get together because in I the narration we that when we saw the poster <laughs> in the narration they're like very jokey as if they were a couple um and it's just like you have a movie where they're trying to set some sort of tension about right. the two of them not getting together um so um you know, we are introduced to this kitchen um, where Emma Roberts is training under Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. Um, Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman, uh, they claim in the narration is, quote, like Gordon Ramsay, which is something that as a screenwriter, you're like, OK, I want to have a character who's like Gordon Ramsay. But you don't put into the script. Um, this character is like Gordon Ramsay. You just show it. It's, it's definitely a yeah, show. Don't no, tell. That's the type of thing you put in the script. And then leave out. Of and you the delete. Dialogue. Yeah, <laughs> you delete. He's like, "Oh, what are white people in a kitchen like? Um, they're very mad. They scream at each other. They scream about pasta." Um, and so, yeah, you have Doctor Quinn railing on her coworkers and her underlings. And at one point, she tries a dish, and she looks at the girl who made it, and she goes, "Oil is a garnish. You've oh, used yes. so much oil that the U.S. Army will invade the plate." 
That is when I knew, Dan. That yeah. is when I knew <clears throat> the magic had begun. Yeah, that was, so that was also the moment. I didn't realize that was the scene you were referring to. Because yeah. at that point, I was so caught up in a whirlwind of all the imagery that was being thrown at me and the fact that this movie existed. I had no idea what the plot was at this point. I was just so preoccupied by that line. So I'd say that line was what sold me in conjunction with the, the smallest detail that I find so hilarious is that um, the, the one of the... So one of the pizzerias is called Vince's, um, and the shirts have like the little logo, and it says uh, Vince's, and then in quotation marks it says the best, which is like every stupid shitty New York pizzeria you ever go to has misplaced quotation marks around something, and I think it's so funny when they put quotation marks around something that has no, like nothing to do with it. Um. You know, there's little details all over the place in the beginning. Um, I've thought multiple times of trying to buy you the vinyl to the soundtrack of this film. It is <laughs> quite literally pizza-making music for two full hours straight. Um, it, it it really doubles down in the score. It, uh, not even just like these are songs that they pulled that are Italian, but the score itself is just at all times being like... It's so ridiculous. It's like a Tim and Eric skit about a, a movie show. about Italian people. This like, is an, an, an Italian minstrel show, for sure. Hayden Christensen's dad, there's a running joke where, like, dude, it's like making fun of every Italian stereotype. There's a running joke where every time something is said that, like, shocks him, he, like, fakes having a heart attack, but he grabs the wrong side of his chest and, like, he yells, like, oh, my, my, my vagina. My my mangina and his wife has to keep collecting correcting him that the word the word is angina. The word you were looking for is angina. Yeah, and moving his hand to where his heart actually is to show he's like, well, it's, well, the Italian people fake serious medical emergencies on the reg. What do Italian people do when they're stressed? Um, oh, they fake heart attack. They have they have vagina. <laughs> No, like, seriously, like, that was Vinjay, like, uh, writing that scene, and then someone came to him and was like, no, it is Angina, and he's like, hilarious, yeah. I'll put that in the film as well. Yeah, I think the, the moment that I became, like, fully sold on how fucking bad shit this movie was gonna be <laughs> was when Emma Roberts, as an adult, uh, first comes back and goes to interact with Hayden Christensen, and there there's, like, some playful banter and talking about, uh... You know, she brings up, uh, oh, you, you still playing soccer? Because we, as we saw when they, when they were kids, they were playing soccer. And his response was like, hey, I'm still undefeated. Meaning he, like, how, how do you become undefeated in soccer as a singular person? What, what, does, that, what does that mean? Like, it's just such a bizarre plot well, contrivance first, to get them on a soccer field. First he beat the team, and then the women and then the children, and then the younglings. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, okay, so coming up in this movie, before the two of them meet, um, is a plot point that was, I would say, the most ominous and foreboding plot point in the history of cinema for me. Um, what was, uh, uh, what was it, uh, Chekhov's... Um, Chekhov's mm, gun. Chekhov's gun, yeah. We discussed the concept of Chekhov's gun in film uh, a few episodes ago, where you show something in a film that you know is going to come in later. Like, you know, in the Comet movie, they show that the kid, like, has terrible, like, diabetes, and it's like, oh, surely this is going to come in later. Right. The detail that is dropped as, the, as for the geography of where Little Italy is... <laughs> It's beyond that. It's like it, it, it upset the moral fabric and 
logical sense of the film to a degree that I found deeply upsetting. Um, basically, we're watching this movie. We got Caden Christensen doing his best New York Italian accent. We have a little Italy neighborhood that looks like kind of a Hollywood recreation yeah, of New York City. Every generic go-to Italian actor. Every Danny Aiello. Yeah, every single Italian that they could afford is in the film. Um, and um, it comes to a point where Emma Roberts realizes, okay, I have two weeks off before um, I have to audition by creating a menu um, for my boss. My boss is put put a challenge to me and one other chef who can impress me the most with their menu um, can be the head of my Michelin star restaurant that will be opening in however many months. Um, during that two-week period, Emma Roberts is going to return home, kind of say hi to her parents really quick, and just get, you know, generally centered uh, so she can make the right decision about get, doing get this. banged out. She can't banged out instantly. Um, uh, the fact of the matter is that it, there's a point at which um, Jane Seymour is like, okay, well, you're going to go home. And she's like, yeah, I'm going to go home back to Toronto. And then they just cut. Um, and you, the viewer, are now left in a world in which you've realized that every scene so far that we've seen in Little Italy is in fact in Canada. See, I didn't even. I. It was so. It was so outside the realm of possibility in my mind <laughs> that I thought there was going to be another changeover where, like, there's a chunk of the movie where she's in Toronto before she gets to Little Italy. It, it wasn't until that they were in the pizzeria and they, they, they showed in passing, like, an award on the wall that was, like, Best Pizza of Toronto 2016 that I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> now, it, it is assumed, in my mind at least, that um, Vin Jay, who wrote the film, um... Is himself a Canadian? Fine. Hayden Christensen, I also believe, is a Canadian. Okay, fine. Um, what is interesting to me <laughs> is that, again, this man has seemingly wrote a detail into a screenplay that did not need to exist. Um, there is no objective reason why this movie takes place in Canada. It is never referenced again. Yeah. It is never made a plot point of any importance. There is no, like, stereotypical Canadian character. There's no Mounties to speak of. Well, There's the only no reason... snow. There's no hockey. There's, There's no nothing. mountain. There's no Mounties. However, there are police interactions, and the police only sexually harass them they don't murder them so i feel <laughs> like that was knew. that was the only way they were able to justify that was to put it in Canada. Like, like if you hadn't gotten the hint um if you somehow missed that scene transition to toronto you would have known by the police that yeah. this was not an american-made film um but again like um this movie all it would have taken is for in the screenplay them to say new york yeah <laughs> That's it. That's all, it. All it would have taken was them to not reference anywhere. We would have assumed it was New York. Now, it is to be assumed that, like many films shot in Canada, a tax break or relief was given to the production so that they could make it cheaper than if they, say, did it in New York. I think what Vinjay forgot, though, is that that does not then mean that the movie needs to be set in Canada. Right. And that <laughs> if you are going to do so, surely these people will not have New York accents. Um, and if you're going to do so, don't portray Little Italy, Canada as if it is the largest Italian community in the world. Um, it is portrayed as nothing less than a wonderland for Italian people. It has a street fair with maybe 40 or 50 active performers happening 24-7. Yeah, yeah, right. um, there's no less than 100 pizza places. As they mentioned in the contest at one point, they narrow it down to two from like 50. Um, 
we're looking at a situation that might be true. We're looking at a situation where maybe there is an Italian Little Italy. I will confirm that it is nothing like whatever is portrayed in this movie, <laughs> and that there is no person who resembles Hayden Christensen or Emma Roberts <laughs> in their community at all. Um, and yeah, uh, you know, they, they confirm this is in Canada. It is never brought up again throughout the entire film. The most that you get is that in certain bars and certain storefronts, you'll see a Canadian flag like next to an American and an Italian flag. Right. But that is the most you get. There is no character who's like a boot in A. There is no person alluding to this being Canada in dialogue or action whatsoever. Um, ostensibly, this is not a movie that took place in Canada other than in one reference, but apparently, welcome to Little Italy, Toronto. Yeah, not to mention that the uh, it, it, comes, it comes to a head that the two rival pizza shops have been very frivolously using the, the law and the courts against each other to try to get each other shut down. Um, one of them is, uh, you know, there's some plot point where, I mean, we could unpack this scene forever, but um, Adam Ferrara, it, it comes to comes to fruition that he secretly laced all of, replaced the other shop's oregano entirely with weed. Um, so that pizza shop is just serving an entire, it, it's packed, it's packed full of people. Um, their portrayal, the, the, the writer of this movie's portrayal of white people responding to consuming marijuana is mm-hmm. very interesting. <laughs> and Indian the, people. We'll the get there. Ent- yes. The entire pizza shop basically turns into a rave. We'll get, we'll go more into that scene. What do white there's... people do when they eat uncooked marijuana? Yeah, right. Um, yeah. Oh, they act like, like animals. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so there, there's a the wild white beast within comes out and they so, go crazy. So you're like, the cops show up and arrest the pizza owners and you're like, oh wow, that's an excessive prank. But then they respond when Hayden goes to apologize to uh, Emma Roberts. She's like, ah, well, you know, no big deal. My dad tried to get your uncle deported last year. And you're like, oh yeah, the year before that, we had like the cops shoot your cousin. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, you know, again, this is a, an audio medium. Maybe you were just in the line at Starbucks and had to turn your volume down while you're listening to this. So I just want to say it one more time, and I want to say it really slowly. Okay, this movie in its first 20 minutes of two rival pizza places depicts a scene in which an entire sack, not even a bag, a sack of unground weed is dumped (laughs) into a vat of pizza sauce under the guise that it is oregano. Now, again, we see the weed. It is chunky (laughs) beasters. It it is like there's no universe where a lifelong Italian man would be confused about what this is, dumps it straight into the sauce, which, you know, as we know from our many years of research, is not going to do anything. Um, You really need to do it in a certain way. You can't just put nuggets in a sauce, bake it on a pizza, (laughs) and suddenly the result of that to which be like the the rave from Matrix Reloaded. It's it's a firecracker. We cut then (laughs) to the restaurant where an old woman age approximately 70 or 80 years old is is twerking on top of a table while an indian man grinds with her and slaps his ass (laughs) and and, and says my favorite line in the movie uh i want to make cookies and cream babies with her (laughs) (laughs) um 
this would be a very appropriate time to skate into the Indian representation in this film. Now, you'd think that in the hands of an Indian writer-director, this is what always what baffles me about these things, Dan. This is what baffles me, is that people sit around, um, you know, minorities who work in the industry and people of color who work in the industry, and they say, you know, representation is off. I never <laughs> see myself represented in film. So here's a man who's given, I'm going to rough estimate because I did not look anything up about this movie. Here's a man that's given 20 or $30 million to make a motion picture. Um, it seems as if he's allowed to put whatever he wants in it. Um, he can represent his people, Canadian or not, in whichever way he chooses to do so. Why then are the two Indian characters in this movie literally spouting the most racist <laughs> Indian stereotype language like it it whether it's a character screaming holy cow or just any number of horrific stereotypes Dan you got some th th this movie cost 8 million Canadian dollars to make right, I'm gonna need you to do a transfer on that okay to yen um and um these Indian characters that are in it are the most stereotypical offensive characters in the whole film. Um, it's really tough to watch whenever they are on screen. Um, for some reason... That would be $6.2 million. <laughs> um, for some reason or another, um, even uh, the, the Italian characters are racist towards the Indian. Um, and uh, just so everyone knows, there yeah, are two Indian Each restaurant characters. has two competing identical yet opposite gendered singular Indian worker. Yeah, and I didn't know, is this a brother and a sister? Is this, are these friends? Now I know that's racist to assume that because there's two Indians that blah, It's blah, blah. not, based on what happens at the end of the movie. <laughs> um, but it is, it, it's pretty harrowing to just like, you're in this world of horrific Italian stereotypes and the only relief you get um, is like when the Italian boss is yelling at uh, the guy and goes, hey, Jaiho Slumdog. I mean, that is like not, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's about as shallow as you can possibly go. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. Uh, they are just stunningly racist characters um, in a movie that didn't need any more stunningly racist characters. Right. right. And before we even get to them, we're, we're already, um, the, the shift we get from Emma Roberts arriving home towards there being a will-they-won't-they they blossoming romance is so abrupt and forced and ridiculous. Um, we, we gotta talk about this. Yeah, we gotta there, go back to the... parts that are so nonsensical yeah. about this. So, uh, so uh, Hayden Christensen claims to be undefeated at soccer throughout his whole life, whatever that means. Never mind that, like... If there is any sport that is well represented amongst the Indian population, it's soccer. <laughs> um, so they go. They go. Oh, to, I know what I like. I'll do that. <laughs> they, they go to a, they go to a soccer field, just the two of them, and somehow have an entire crowd of people oh, there to, there to watch. Dan, you're just so ahead of yourself here because there's so many things that lead up to the scene that you're talking about that need to be addressed first. Okay, Can I okay. just do one yeah, of them? Yeah, go on. Like, uh, all right. So there's one thing in this movie that bothered me more than anything else in the movie. I know this is going to be a nitpick. I know you're going to be like, honestly, what are you talking about? There's a throwaway in this line that has driven me insane throughout the two-hour runtime. It starts when Emma Roberts gets off the plane. Now, the, the scene that Dan is talking about is like five minutes after this. So, basically, Emma Roberts, again, she's coming home to visit her family, yada, yada, yada. She gets off the plane. One of her friends shows up. Here's where the biggest paradox of this entire film begins. And I want to keep going back to this point over and over again, which is that Emma Roberts 
gets off the plane wearing a hat and a dress, okay? Her friend comes up to her and says, Hey, Emma Roberts in Italian blackface, do you have a suitcase? Emma Roberts says, no. Keep this in mind. No, I do not have a suitcase. I'm not planning on staying long. Now, right. now we've established that. Now let's go to what happens next. She goes to <laughs> she goes to assumedly back to her friend's house, but before they get there, her friend says, "Why don't we go out to Luigi's and have a drink?" Now Luigi's is the Italian bar that when everyone's done loafing around the pizza places all day in Little Italy, <laughs> they crawl like slugs over to Luigi's and they get fucking wasted and bang each other. Um, working at Luigi's um, as his night shift is Anakin Skywalker. Um, he's tending bar. He is hot as hell. All the girls and everyone in this movie fawns over him as if he is a complete supermodel. Yeah, he's three times all of their age. Um, he is could be their father. And um, uh, right off the bat, they're flirty. Right off the bat, he says to her, hey, you want to go out and maybe, you know, play soccer? And she's like, <laughs> what she's like, comply. <laughs> She's like, oh, absolutely. I just got here. I don't have a suitcase. It is torrentially <laughs> downpouring, like not even raining. It's like the rain in Jurassic Park when the T-Rex breaks out. It's literally like you can't see a foot in front of you. They go outside. She takes her shoes off. She Okay, she is shown in the bar to take one shot, Dan. One shot. Remember right. this, too. Yeah. She takes one shot. Hayden says, do you want to play soccer? Cut to the soccer field. Now, we cannot assume that any drinking has taken place in between there because it's literally like she grabs her stuff and they and they walk out. Now, something also that needs to be addressed that it happens a hundred times in this movie is that because everyone in this town, for some reason, wants to bang Anakin, that anytime he is talking to anyone, a crowd forms. Right. Anytime <laughs> he is performing any duty, uh, whether it's making a pizza, whether it's... A crowd is forming of, of people who are not as important in their world as this Italian scumbag bartender. Yeah, and, and, and his dad loves it. His dad's like, my son got so much talent. <laughs> so they go outside to play soccer. Keep in mind, Anakin Skywalker is the bartender. Now, earlier in the film, they a character, I think his father says to him, why you got to go there and 10 bar, blah, blah, blah. Anakin's like, I need to make money. Like, they need me over there, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, this bartender takes the entire bar, leaves the establishment to go play <laughs> soccer. God knows who's tending the bar. God knows what the patrons are doing. It is shown well, in the scene. There are no patrons because they go where Anakin goes. It's, it's shown in the scene uh, when they get out to the soccer field that everyone's holding a beer, which... I don't know in what world can you just walk out of a bar over to a children's soccer field it's with the bartender. It's, it's, Canada. it's Canada. It's Canada. Nobody cares about that. Um, yeah. And um, white people never get in trouble. Um, and uh, <laughs> so they go to the soccer field. And it's, it's not wrong. It's, it's pouring rain. And a hundred people have come to out to watch. I need to talk about this rain. Okay, go ahead. Because... This was the moment where the movie most showed its budget. The mo most showed its budget to me, right? Um, because you're, what you're essentially presented with is um, a shot of the soccer goal, um, a long shot from say midfield towards the soccer goal, and the rain is pouring in, pouring in from the upper left side of the frame. 
However, they clearly did not have enough money in the budget to have the entire shot be filled with rain. Right. It is there is wa- in like there a is water foot. spritzing specifically on Emma Roberts and Hayden Christensen while everything in the foreground is completely dry. There's not a bit of rain. The people standing to the right of the frame are not getting rained on. It is just rain being dumping. basically dumping from a hose onto the two main characters, and there is no rain anywhere else. Yeah, I just want to let you know, we're 40 minutes into this podcast. We're not leaving this scene for easily another 10 minutes, so just strap in because there's a lot more to talk about. Um, let's go back to the suitcase, if, okay. if you will, my fellow scholar. So now keep in mind, Nikki, Emma Roberts' character, uh, I need so much help with this. I need so much help with this. So Nikki, right? She's coming home to visit her parents, right? Assumedly, she calls her parents and is like, uh, I'll be home on Thursday. That's when my plane lands, right? So, again, Nikki says, Nikki says, I'm not going to be here long. I didn't bring a suitcase. And yet, she plans to not see her parents for a full day off right. the bat. All right. She has no preparation for that whatsoever. They cut to her mom at one point the next day after the soccer match saying, Nikki's coming home today. Yeah. But that's the day after she has slept out. So at what point did Emma Roberts know that she was going to spend the night out? Um, Did she text her parents and say, I'm not coming home? And again, she doesn't have a suitcase. So, like, what did she plan on doing Yeah, she's gotten all all of her clothing drenched. So... Girl without a suitcase shows up in like a nightgown, basically, like a super nice dress, whatever, gets soaking wet. Not only that, but is slipping in the mud on purpose playing soccer, like fully full body mud soaked to the bone. So, again, you have a crowd of like 150 people for some reason watching all this happen. They all fade away and then it's just Hayden. And like literally like they fade they away. Fade away. They literally just kind of fade into the background. And then it's just the two of them. They have a slight romantic moment where he goes in for a kiss. And then hold as- on, hold on, hold on. OK, be- go, before go we get King. to that, <laughs> because I'm sitting here being like, wow, we're, we're like 20 minutes into their dynamic and there hasn't really been any sexual tension or any way, <laughs> any, any way to really develop the, the longing that surely this movie is going to portray. So this crowd fades away and Hayden Christensen walks up to her. And you think, like, okay, he's going to say something. They're going to exchange some nostalgia. There's going to be some sort of connection here. No. What happens is Hayden Christensen pretends to trip and falls directly next to her. And all of a sudden, his arm is around her. Yeah. And, like, his age is really shown. Because when he fell, I was like, that looks like it might have hurt. Yeah, like, are you okay? Yeah. He's just walking. He's like, hey, you're pretty good at saving goals from the goalie. Oh. And then he's all of a sudden, he's on the ground. And he's like, oh, how did I get here? And she's like, oh, that's so endearing. So three seconds before this moment, Emma Roberts is playing full soccer. She's kicking. She's running. She's, like, going for goals. Then he leans in for a kiss. And she instantly passes out and her head goes into his crotch and she is unconscious. Yeah, Um, right. Cut to the next morning where she has now woken up in Anakin's bed. Um, Yes. And uh, I've got some questions about that. (laughs) Yeah, see, by American standards, we call that rape. So he, she wakes up in Anakin's bed. You find out that, okay, a- Anakin, maybe he's not such a bad guy. Um, he did not rape her. Um, 
<laughs> and um, she's like, well, how did my dress get off? And he was like, when I put you in bed, you had your dress on. How you took it off is up to you. But again, re-re-reminder, she was soaking wet from head to toe. So he put her unconscious. First of all, he took her from the soccer field, blackout unconscious. This is a girl that he has not seen since he was a child. Right. Took her to his house, didn't attempt to call her parents, didn't attempt to call her friends or do any kind of looking into, like, is this girl okay? Can she even be out? Can she even be overnight? She doesn't have a suitcase, so obviously that's a problem. (laughs) Puts her in his bed, soaking wet, unconscious. Right. And again, this is off screen, so you have to assume that Anakin did what? Put her unconscious into his car. Right. (laughs) Well, he doesn't have a car. He has a Vespa. Ne- never mind. That, Wait, hold on. Never mind that her parents literally reside in the building directly next to his. He could easily have just dropped her off there. Like, how the fuck did he get her back to his apartment? Like, he has a Vespa. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> just yeah. Like imagining uh, Anakin Skywalker with a passed out girl, soaking wet in a rainstorm, like unconscious on the back of his Vespa. Yeah. Going, going back to his house. And it's like, people are like, hey, Anakin. And he's like, eh, don't worry about it. She's sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so stupid. Um, she ate too much calamari. <laughs> she ate too much calamar. Um, this was... <laughs> This was at the point at which I looked at the, like the time code and I was like, "All right, we are 35 minutes into this film. It has never been readdressed that the little Italy takes place in Canada." <laughs> like I started really unraveling. I was like, "What the hell is going on in this fucking movie?" Yeah. Um. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, that I believe is what actually leads into the the weed pizza yeah, scene. Yeah, the next scene is the weed, which pizza is an scene. absolute orgy and is so fucking bizarre. And then that and then leads the, and to and then the police showing up is an, a hilarious interaction. Yeah, where... the police. Show- Showing up, oh my god! So these Canadian cops show up to shake down everybody who's in the weed shop, basically the pizza shop where all the weed got distributed, um, and they bring Anakin out. And again, because everyone is so obsessed with Anakin in this movie, yeah. like the police have no choice but to like literally sexually abuse him and try to fuck him, which yeah. is pretty actually and, and, funny. And also, like it's not like it's not prime Hayden Christensen. Like he looks like a fully oh. smoked cigar in this movie. Okay. All right, now I'm going to say something potentially controversial here. I think that this was maybe Hayden Christensen's best acting role I've ever seen him in. I, I do. I have literally my next note is Hayden Christensen's Italian face is still 10 times better performance than anything he's ever done in his career. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> like, there were lines in this movie about, like, love and about kind of like the Star Wars Episode Two vibe where it got very melodramatic. For example, there's a scene in this movie yeah, he's where... Like, I, he's like, I hate sand. <laughs> Where where Emma Roberts is like, I love your pizza, um, and swoons, and and he looks at her and he goes, our pizza, yeah, our pizza, yeah. Um, scenes like that may as well have been in Star Wars Episode well, Two. That and that is the next scene. I had a whole thing about <laughs> basically the only way they're able to show Italians bonding is over their <laughs> over their construction of pizza together. It's it's the two the two parents. <laughs> The two parents' entire relationship <laughs> mm-hmm. of childhood best friends were predicated upon them forming pizzas together. Their relationship and family lives have completely devolved because of their inability to agree about their pizza construction. <laughs> <laughs> Emma, Emma Roberts and Hayden Christensen come together. Only She only stops looking down on him when he reveals that in his free time he actually makes organic pizza and they make pizza together in his house. <laughs> Suddenly she doesn't look down on him as being a pizza maker. I mean, 
essentially there is no plot movement that happens this in this film that does not revolve around pizza. It's so weird that it was written by an Indian person. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and, like, and again, like, why? Like, and why is Alyssa Milano in this movie? <laughs> when I saw her, I felt sadness. That was there's, my first. There's just something deeply uncomfortable about an Indian man writing an Italian love story based around pizza and people named Luigi and. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's so superficial and bizarre. Um, and and again, like throughout this whole thing, this, this Indian man is doubling down on making fun of his own people even more than the Italians. Um, so there's a scene. Again, like, we have to keep going back, because in the first 40 minutes in this movie, not five seconds goes by that didn't bo- literally <laughs> boggle my mind. <laughs> um, so in the scene where they poison the other pizza place with weed, right, um, the uh, the character, uh, the father, what's his name, Ferreira, Joe Ferreira? Um, Adam Ferrara Adam from Ferrara. Uh, Rescue Me fame. <laughs> never seen that um adam ferrara's pizza shop of the one of two rival pizza shops is poisoning uh the other so the indian girl who works for adam ferrara is about to deliver the sauce with the weed in it over to the restaurant um that hayden christensen works in um so here's one of two sauce switcheroos in it this is a movie that predicated on (laughs) sauce switcheroos and like who makes a pizza and what that says about their character (laughs) This is such a drop from Tenet. Like, I feel like we really, really did not try after that. We were just back in the fucking dumpster right now. I love it. Um, So, okay, again, like, most racist parts of this movie are towards Indians. So... Now, uh, we got to break this down in a couple ways. So the, the the main pizza shop owner's like, oh, let me smell the sauce. And he smells it and he goes, oh, this smells like cat shit. <laughs> And then he goes, yo, you, Indian girl, smell this. And she smells the sauce and she goes, that is curry. Yeah. So now, okay, pause. So, okay, that is a racist joke. Fine. But it's also so racist to, as the writer, say that objectively to a person who doesn't know the smell of curry, that it smells like cat shit. He was trying to trying to portray his experiences growing up. She, clearly, this guy has like <laughs> clearly some, this guy was beat up by Italians. Italians. <laughs> yeah. They're like, "Oh, little boy smells like cat shit." Come yeah, here, yeah, all the time. They're like, "What but, are you sweating out, marinara?" <laughs> but but he didn't realize that if he makes all of the protagonists in his movie Italian and delightful people who have a happily ever after, well, arguably happily ever after ending. That uh, them saying that kind of just validates that it smells like catch. It's just like it, dude. It's just like you. This movie is already so offensive towards every race that it deals with. To put in Indian racism from an Indian person <laughs> on top of it, it's like, yeah. why did you do this to yourself? Yeah. He was trying to do the like, we need representation in cinema, but like, you know, we're twenty years removed from Harold and Kumar, where 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 Cal Penn just plays a normal guy who happens to be Indian. Right. Whereas, like how much progress was whereas, made? Whereas you know? this, this movie is like Cal Penn and Van Wilder. Like Yeah. A hundred percent. It's 100%, and it's like, why? I just, just, why, dude? Like, everything he says is just, like, <laughs> it's just, like, such a, like, 
portrayal of like a misunderstanding of like white culture. <laughs> like, <laughs> like this movie is legitimately like a nightmare that a movie blues podcast co-host would have. Like this is something I would wake up from and be like, whoa, there's no way that that happened Dude, or could him, exist. Him grinding with that 90 year old woman because he consumed weed sauce <laughs> <laughs> while a crowd of people is cheering him on. He's like, I want to make a black and white cookie with you. He's like, I want to make Oreos with your vagina. It was so weird, dude. And it's not the only example. Like, it just keeps going and, with it. I hate it, Christensen. He figures it out because he pulls out the thing of oregano and pulls it out and it's clearly just giant dank nugs. <laughs> and he's, he's like, Pops, this ain't oregano. Can't you tell it's weed? He's and like, he, what? He, That's oregano. It's he's like, like, the cops are here. I'll handle it by throwing it into the oven where it will surely all... Wait, what was that move? Oh, my God. We're, dude, we're, we're not going to get 20 minutes into this movie. So, okay, so the cops show up right at the Pete's place, right, as it's revealed that everyone is just so high and so fucked up. Hayden Christensen, who is playing the character who objectively knows what to do in this kind of situation, <laughs> takes all the weed. Now, we're talking like an ounce. Yeah. It was easily an ounce. Yes. And dumps it on a wood fire pizza tray <laughs> and sticks it in the oven. Now, this is like, I was trying to think, like, what do I people do when they get rid of drugs? They flush it. They're like, and, and then Vinjay was like, Oh, in this case, they're in the pizza place. He was like, what do white people do when they get rid of people? (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'm Dan Lyons. (laughs) Um, So uh, Hayden Christensen's first move is to take all the weed and and shove it in the oven, which, as any smart person would know, then all the weed is going to burn, that smoke is going to billow out of the fucking pizza maker, which will, by the way immediately confirm that the people working in the kitchen are the ones handling it that they know about it because now not only do you have the fact that everyone's been drugged but now at the last second of everyone's been drugged Hayden Christensen is trying to get rid of the evidence that was given to them by other people right it's also just like the most antiquated portrayal of the effects of weed it's like some like reefer madness shit like they film this like it's like the rave scene in the matrix as a result of these people consuming weed pizza but it's like if someone came to your house and dropped off a murder weapon covered in blood and the cops, you hear them coming around the corner, you wouldn't try to clean the murder weapon. Right. You know what I mean? Like Hayden's you wouldn't put it in your silverware drawer. Hayden's like, oh, my own, I gotta get rid of this. And it's like, dude, no you don't. Like, hand that to the cops and be like, somebody spiked our food with drugs. Like, right. by putting it in the pizza oven, which, by the way, is roughly 700 degrees, yeah. is going to incinerate the weed, make the entire place reek. The whole fucking neighborhood is gonna smell yeah, like ruin pot. the oven. Um, yeah, potentially ruin the oven. It's just like... Ah, just why did, you know, when people write movies, can they think, like, for one second about the things that they portray and do? Yeah, there was numerous opportunities for anyone on the set to be like, none of this movie makes sense. Um, okay, so, uh, I want to make cookies and cream babies with her. I mean... At this point where they um, quasiple down on Indian racism, um, the two Indian characters, by the way, the joke is that they're constantly... Quasiple. <laughs> the, the joke is that they're constantly ripping on each other and they're having, like, burn contests. Yeah. And in burning each other, the two Indian characters say the most racist things imaginable. <laughs> um, at one point, the Indian man is screaming at the woman. He goes, I would insult your mother, but cows are sacred in India. <laughs> like, dude, what are you doing writing that? Like, your parents cr- are going to be ashamed cry- of you. I was crying at that one. I was in tears. <laughs> And then the same character multiple times in the movie yells, holy cow. (laughs) Like, what are we doing? So then we go from that, right? Like, as bad as the Indian character looks, it just gets worse. 
and, and then, uh, dude, this scene was like a throwaway line, but deserves to be highlighted as well. So Anakin um, wants to go on a date with Emma Roberts once they finally, this night is over and they're all done being arrested and whatever. He wants to go on a date with Emma Roberts. So he's got <laughs> yeah, He's like, my dad just caused your dad to go to jail for <laughs> felony weed distribution. You want to hang out later? <laughs> So um, Hayden uh, has to abandon his deliveries for the day. So he goes up to the Indian guy who, like any Indian person for some reason in, in quote-unquote raunchy comedies, is a total pervert. You know, like you said, um, Cal Penn in Van Wilder is such a pervert. You remember his whole plot yeah. line oh, is yeah. like, Indian and, people are perverts. And what's That's the ticket like, to the car wash? What's the ticket to the car wash? Um <laughs> It's so bad. So then Hayden Christensen goes, um, okay, can, you know, Vinjay, can you do this delivery for me? Um, it's to three hot ladies. Um, and, you know, they'll want some action. So he gets all excited. He jumps on his moped, the Indian guy, with the pizzas to take Anakin's stop. And then, again, like, the same kind of weird, bizarre humor occurs where he shows up to not only a retirement home. Not only is it a retirement home, Dan. <laughs> It's an Italian retirement home. Know, Did you notice know. that? Yeah, yeah. It was yeah, like, the, it was the like Maria Bueno Italian yeah. And, yeah. Like, retirement home. Um, <laughs> yeah. And three, I'm going to say 90-year-old women. So this is like 20 years older than the old woman who was touching his dick on, on the pizza table <laughs> during the reefer scene. 90-year-old woman opened the door. And he's like, delivery ladies. And they look at him and they're like, mm, you're a snack. And they... they yeah. Like yeah, they suck him into the house yeah. like a horror movie, yeah. um, <laughs> and he's about it. And he's about it. And and the 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 presumption there is twofold: that a Anakin has been banging these women. I don't know if you picked up on that because Anakin was like, "These girls are crazy. You may have to like satisfy them." Essentially, I took it. I took it to mean that Anakin had been solicited by them numerous times and avoided it. But after seeing Sanjay fucking grinding with the old woman, he was like, "Oh, he's into this shit." Sanjay. Oh yeah. <laughs> so he did this on empirical evidence. Yeah. So <laughs> like, damn, homie, you're into some fucking weird shit. Um, yeah. So yeah, uh, there's Gilf. a scene in which a very small what's, in, what, Indian what's, man. What's Indian for guilt? Respected matriarch, I'd like to fuck. Um, no, it's uh, <laughs> grandma Indians like to fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I hate this episode. Uh, <laughs> um, anyway, um, going back to for the 400th time, the scene in which everyone spiked with weed, um, uh, they do say, I don't know if you picked up on this or not. Um, when when the dad gets out of jail for all of this, uh, they reference it as, oh, okay, he's just going to get a misdemeanor. They said that he all he got was a misdemeanor for pot, and yet they say that it was a $1,000 fine and a night in jail. Yeah. <laughs> they kept him in jail overnight. <laughs> yeah, but, like, then, but then she justifies it. She's like, yeah, well, last year he tried to get our Indian person deported. Yeah. And that's just, like, that's, like, a throwaway joke. <laughs> like... These people are utilizing the government against each other as rival adjacent pizzerias in, in intense ways. So this is the point in time in the movie where I was praying for relief. Um, I was hoping that a, a period of time could set in where things were happening that I wouldn't be offended by and I didn't think were hilarious, but that's not really the and case. And that's where we got the D-plot of um, the other romance. The D-plot of this movie begins, and again, like I thought this was going to be a downturn into relaxation. You have a shot, very tastefully done, of the old matriarch from one family walking into a church. It's said multiple times that she is a pious woman. She's constantly being like, oh, Maron, I gotta go to church. And um, 
So we follow her to church. I'm like, okay, now, like, okay, let's relax. Like, you, this movie's making you feel like you're gonna die or that you've already died. Let's have a nice scene. Um, that scene was harrowing. Um, she, <laughs> she goes into the confessional, and that's where it's revealed that she has been banging, not even like dating, like has been yeah. banging the uh, Aiello, the fucking matriarch, uh, the patriarch of the other family. Yeah. So now you have a scene Who, who's, which, been, who's been acting as a priest and going into the, <laughs> and going into the confessional booth so that they can meet in secret because their families hate each other so much. So they're utilizing the confessional booth to go and like to like tongue kiss each other through the fucking (laughs) confession (laughs) grate this is like a movie like written by like Mario Batali during like a a fentanyl binge (laughs) it's so weird like so they're banging in the church it's like revealed (laughs) and and this D plot honestly it's the B plot um, that these two old people are banging so you have a mirror story of two parts of the family now you have a double Romeo and Juliet which I don't know why that was necessary because if the parents if the grandparents get married then Hayden Christensen and Evan Roberts are related uh yeah not not by blood not by blood but uh, I was very upset by that Dan I could not stop thinking about it I mean we're the movie sets you up to be rooting for the grandparents they're they're Italians This sort of thing is fine. You got to keep it in the community. Yeah, honestly, that's like one situation removed from what Italians would really do. It would be one generation lower. Um, right. Uh, they're like, oh, your Aunt Vinny. Your Aunt Vinny. <laughs> <laughs> Enough said. <laughs> um, so now you have another plot that begins unfurling um, between two old Italians having sex in a church. Um, they they have a torrid love affair that is essentially more successful and healthy than Hayden Christensen and Emma Roberts' relationship. By um, far. And it's within that um, that I sort of started to realize that I had not laughed with the movie even one time, um, but one joke happened with the old people that I thought was hilarious. It was the only joke in the entire film that actually landed for me on purpose. Uh, it's a joke in which two Italian people now assume that an old Italian woman has been drinking like Americanos, basically like Italian Americanos for 50 years or Italian espresso. Um, <laughs> Italian people in the mind of this crazed Indian man are people who have highly um, specific coffee needs because as we all know, <laughs> Italians like to sit around and sip Americanos, etc. Um, and there's a scene in an which... Americano just being espresso watered with water, down. With water. <laughs> yeah. It's a fancy. Um, (laughs) um, uh, So the two old people realize that banging in a church is not right. So they decide to meet in a Starbucks. They they don't realize they get caught by an actual priest. If if this whole movie was just about two old Italians realizing how delicious Starbucks coffee is, (laughs) I would be sold. That movie is one I want to see because it's revealed very quickly that like they're like, you know, some some gay multi-sexed trans lib waiter comes up to them and is like, "What would you like?" And she's like, "I don't know what any of this is, manja." And, and he he brings her a, an espresso and she's like, "What is this for, Faguchis? And then she drinks it and she's like, "Maron!" She's like, "It's the best thing I've ever tasted." 
It was so yeah. funny. He's that like, was legitimately yeah, funny. He's like, turns out the entire uh, multi-century long crusade to improve upon coffee got beyond watering down espresso. <laughs> it's, it's a shock to them. <laughs> and, and and honestly, it's a it's a microcosm of of the pizza struggle that's going on as well, wherein Hayden Christensen is trying to make organic pizzas, which is like in a front. It's like it's like the yeah, same that's as like the like f plot. It's like the <laughs> it's like the same as being gay in the mob. It's like unacceptable to use yeah, organic he, ingredients. He's like apparently, in secret has like a whole like greenhouse happening on his roof. But like Dan, why did it need to be a secret that he grows organic basil? That's something that Italians did in the first place. Like he has to hide it so shamedly. He's like he's like, oh I like regular ingredients, ones that don't have sand, yeah. ones that are grown on my roof. These are delicious. You should try them. Yeah. And Emma, she's like, Emma oh Roberts my. is enamored by it. Yeah, she's like, uh, first of all, a Michelin star chef is like, oh, wow, Anakin, you grew basil? <laughs> like, oh, my God. Like, are you kidding me? That's not impressive at all. Like, what are you talking about? Well, she, she's. it, it comes, to, comes to the to clarity that she's always been very impressed by his, uh, his crust. Um, oh her family God. makes the good sauce. His family makes the good crust. So when he brings her to the, the, the roof with his little greenhouse and basil, and he's like growing tomatoes and making uh, a, a, an acceptable gravy, um, he's got like a little wood fired stove. And she's like, Oh, you make pizza like an actual chef. And like, he's like, Yeah, my parents can never know that I'm a talented cook. <laughs> the amount of times in this movie that characters say sauce. Not sauce. Sauce. The word sauce. Yeah. <laughs> Thousands. Yes. <laughs> um, and it, it just as a general note, like the fact that Hayden Christensen stars in this film in it's like unbelievable. In, in Italian blackface, and that is the least radioactive part of the film. Yeah. Is this movie is a cavalcade of legitimate Italian actors rotating around two of the least Italian-looking people you have ever seen. <laughs> Dan, I love your pizza. <laughs> Thanks, bro. You're supposed to say our pizza. <laughs> I will never say that. Um, so My pizza's mine and mine alone, baby. It's at this part where a shift happens in this film. Um, we shift over to kind of the messaging of this movie in terms of um, what is being said about Emma Roberts and what is being said about Hayden Christensen. Now... From an objective point of view, if you leave the completely radioactive and insane point of view of a crazy Canadian Indian person who wrote this, it is most definitely a better idea to follow your dreams as a Michelin star chef as you've been training internationally your entire life to do so. It is not as good of an idea to become a pizza chef in your hometown again. Um, yes. But this movie's messaging becomes that Emma Roberts is a bad person for having gone after her dreams right and that hating christensen by sitting on his ass getting drunk and fucking thousands of women has somehow done the more genuine thing yeah, for himself for keeping with the family business um so you have a scene where uh we're introduced to anakin's garden uh that he has on his roof you're introduced <laughs> to the fact that anakin secretly wants to make rustic organic pizza instead of um just yeah. regular trash yeah. italian pizza yeah the message of this movie is that gentrification is the ultimate desire to hundred dude a hundred percent um so like for example emma roberts uh tries his pizza white people love gentrification <laughs> 
<laughs> when people love to to take over, to get taken over, it's this feeling they enjoy. Um, uh, so Emma Roberts says to him, um, how is it that I'm in culinary school, yet you're the one with the dishes? Okay, she's saying that to a man who is making a pizza in a wood-fired yeah, right. oven. She is a Michelin star yeah. chef who is planning a menu. Yeah. We've already what? watched her make a sauce that's ten times more elaborate than right. Anakin has ever created. <laughs> and she's like, how, like, how do you do it? And they zoom in on what he makes. It's literally like a pizza with arugula and mushrooms on it. Yeah. <laughs> and they're, they're yeah, acting Yeah, but the point is if, they're Italian. That is the peak of what people of that nature can achieve. <laughs> He's like, he's like, what would be an amazing thing to show an Italian person doing that's almost superhuman? Hmm. Using vegetables, um, uh, hmm, using yeah. good ingredients. It's like to this guy, the fact that it's like mushrooms and arugula instead of pepperoni is like next level shit. Just want to let everybody at home know we are a full hour and ten minutes into the movie. Emma Roberts does not have a suitcase. She has changed her clothes no less than 18 times. Um, she, she, she did get chastised by her boss for wearing a pizza shop. She, she has formal wear. She has um, nightwear. She has pajamas she's shown in. She has jogging clothes she's shown in. She has nice dresses. She has multiple outfit changes per day in the film. The woman does not have a suitcase, Dan. She does not have her clothes with her. She has not been at home in like 10 fucking years and has a full wardrobe of clothes to draw from the entire movie. It is upsetting me. I don't know how this happened. But regardless, it is endorsing that Nikki has essentially done something ethically wrong for leaving her Italian-Canadian neighborhood to become a well-respected <laughs> international chef, something she's spent years trying yeah, to attain. studying in Paris has a job offer to open a, like what's expected to be a Michelin star restaurant in London. Yeah. Um, it's just... Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> Everyone looks down on her for that. Dan, like, we haven't even talked about Li Ping, dude. No. We no, have not but... talked about Li Ping, But... Just to take us all the way back to the famous soccer scene, the harrowed <laughs> soccer scene that we'll all remember. Yeah, um, the fabled soccer It's during the fable of the soccer game where we are introduced to the owner of Luigi's Bar. Um, that is a fat, gay Asian man doing an Italian <laughs> accent. His name is Luigi. Uh, 40 minutes go by in this film when it is never referred to again, when it is never investigated why there is a fat, gay Asian man with an Italian accent in Canada running a bar named Luigi's. And his name is Luigi. Um, yes. <laughs> now this I would say is the maybe the Z-plot. Um, the Z-plot concerns an immigrant. Uh, imagine, if you will, uh, a young, fat, gay Chinese boy. His name is Li Ping. He grows up in a world where he's looked down on. He's hated. He's, he's he's thrown out on the streets by his parents for his faggotry. Um, <laughs> Whoa. Um, th that's what he says in the movie. Um, I this is a, this is, that's a direct read. Um, and yet, he is a character named Luigi. Um, he explains that he is... Again, this is an hour and 20 minutes into the movie. <laughs> he finally explains that he... Um, 
uh, is in fact an Asian man. He confirms that because <laughs> yeah, the whole movie, he, they're he, acting he, that no, he's not. He, he reveals. He reveals, stunning third, 12th hour reveal, that he's in fact a gay Asian man who is made fun of as a kid. A Gaysian, if you will. So this community of an Italian neighborhood in Italy let an Asian gay man start speaking. In Canada. Speaking in Canada. In Canada. Not in Italy. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Let him start speaking in an Italian accent and take over the identity of a well-respected, actually Italian member of the community. Is that is that about sum it up? Yes. It's like the uh, in in Christopher Nolan's Batman movies where um, where Chris, Christian Bale is like Batman is an idea. Yeah. Um, it, it can, the mantle can pass to anyone as long as yeah. your heart's in the right place. Yeah. This this gay Luigi uh, is the Italian antifa. <laughs> Um, Luigi. We are all Luigi. <laughs> we are Waluigi. <laughs> My grandparents fought Luigi in World War II. <laughs> uh, um, uh, yeah, so the reveal is that uh, he started working at Luigi's bar, Luigi accepted him, and then I guess Luigi died and just allowed <laughs> Li Ping to take over his identity? Because they all call him Luigi. Right. And he works at Luigi's bar, so as the viewer of the film, again, you're given a detail like, oh, we're in Canada, where it's like, oh, this is Luigi. And then they cut away and you never think about yeah. it again. Which also means that like there's nobody who knew the previous Luigi and was able to be like, you're not Luigi, you're clearly an Asian man. <laughs> like, this movie is like, if the situation wrote a screenplay <laughs> or like this is the screenplay that Michael Imperioli had on yeah. the back burner in The Sopranos yeah no, um, I was gonna say this is like what uh, Vin Diesel's movie was gonna become if they let him turn it into a feature <laughs> <laughs> um, all, <laughs> all of this insanity um, boils down to a third act explosion of tension uh, a competition like we haven't seen since Gladiator, basically. This is a contest of the wills, a a battle of families long embroiled in Italian blood. Um, we have uh, a pizza-making contest as the crux oh, dude, of the film. We can't, we, we can't even get to that yet, though. Oh, go ahead. Go off, Because So first there's... Um in what we called the D plot that later became the B plot about uh, Danny Aiello and the the Nona having their torrid love affair that first takes place in churches, but um, later moves to various Starbuckses. And also, um, again, and, brand Starbucks. It and, wasn't a fake and, Starbucks. They literally are in a yeah, Starbucks and fully advertised. Yeah, and 85-year-old Danny Aiello is basically like, why can't we fuck? And she's like, well, I made a vow to my ex-husband not to, like fuck other dudes when he died he's like you and never said anal no it's not <laughs> <laughs> and and she's like you can't fuck a dude without him putting a ring on it so danny aiello like the sly dog he is like the next day shows up while she's praying at church and just like hands a ring to her <laughs> to propose basically being like i'm really trying to have that like in like, front of literally jesus on the crucifix yeah by the way it's literally no he goes he goes he goes by the power of virgin mary i ask you to be my wife <laughs> And points up to the Virgin Mary, um, and she's she runs out of the church, being like, "That's ridiculous! I told you yesterday we we, we can't fuck unless we get married, and now today all of a sudden you have a wedding ring. It's so fucking nefarious." So then the next, so then just like the next the day, Virgin it starts. Mary, I can't, I can't get over it. <laughs> 
<laughs> who do, who do white day. people pray to when they want to have illicit <laughs> sex? Mm. <laughs> oh, yes, the queen of whores herself, uh, yeah. Mary. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so he, he, meets her, he meets her a few days later at Starbucks. Smooth to, as a cow. And he goes, he's literally like, he's like, I don't get it. You say we can't fuck unless I put a ring on it. So I, And they, this is how they refer to it. The entire time they're saying put a ring on right. it, these 85-year-old people. And he's like, you said we can't fuck unless we put a ring on it. I tried to put a ring on it and you run away. I don't understand. And she's like, ah, my ex-husband, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, I promise I will love you as long as you live. <laughs> which, I, which, I found, which I found to He's be the funniest. He's keeping his options open, Dan. <laughs> yeah. So she says, okay, sure, great. Um, so which then leads us to a dinner that they organize to tell their respective families that... Um, that they're getting married uh, uh, or not but it, it doesn't get to that point because the two f- fathers start bickering as they always do which leads to uh, Emma Roberts and uh, Hayden Christensen bickering and at one point oh, there's this like there's this underlying thread throughout the movie where Emma Roberts wants uh, Hayden to admit that he never let her win at soccer when they were kids. Oh, Even, God. Like, for, like, throughout the entire movie, this is an issue about him letting her win at soccer. This is and like the like, negative... F plot. This is like <laughs> yeah. below the letter scale, and it's like it's like it's like it, it's like they fuck, and then like the next thing that happens, and she's like, "Are you gonna admit that you didn't let me win yet?" And he's like, "I can't admit something that's not true, baby. I let you win because you're a girl." And like, oh so somehow this comes up at this dinner, <laughs> and he, she's like, "Just admit that you let me win." Um, and he goes, <laughs> he, <laughs> he goes, he goes, yeah, like I let you win last night. Like, oh refer, refer, referring to them fucking... Yeah, that was really rude. And she slaps him. She slaps so him she slaps, dead on she slaps, in the face. She slaps him right in the in face. In front of their entire families. Yeah. Runs out. Um, he goes He goes to chase her, and she decides she's going to leave. And she says what is actually my favorite line in the entire movie. She goes, you know, there's a reason they call it Little Italy. Because nothing ever changes here. Yeah, what was the... Uh, what did, okay, and that's said multiple times, as if it's clever, but, like, all that that is is just inferring that Italian people are stuck in their ways, like, and that it's an objective yeah. fact. Like, it's yeah, not a good right. line. It doesn't make sense. No, it, it makes no sense whatsoever. Oh, that's why they call it that Little Italy, because nothing ever changes. Little Italy, because yeah. nothing ever change now again if you went to italy right now the entire country is not some rustic pizza kitchen you know what i mean there are fucking office buildings there are fucking cars it's it's not like the old country yeah they're not on gondolas yeah it's just like the implication is just that because you are living in little italy you are like archaic old italian person stuck in like the 19th century yeah you are not allowed to leave Oh man, dude! I, like I can't. T- Did I like this movie? Like, is this like the most blessed thing I've ever seen, or the most cursed thing? Well, I've let, ever seen? well let's find out. Let's move on to the pizza competition. Um, I still have stuff to say even a, a before very, the a, pizza competition. A very, a very dramatic, the, the dramatic climax of the film. <laughs> Damn, um, we, you said something to me earlier. I, don't, I think this is off pod. That needs to be repeated. That just like. That every single plot point of this movie has to be pizza related. Like, there's no, yeah. there's no way for anyone to deal with their problems. Whether it's the the fathers in the family, the grandmother, everything is related to sauce. Everything is related to pizza. It's just, dude. It's yeah. It's like imagine take it out of the Italian 
stereotype realm. Because like, when I said to you um, at one point, I was like, is Italian blackface? Why is that not as offensive as blackface? And the whole thing is like, just this whole movie's idea of stereotypes, move it to another kind of person and right. and, and watch what happens in terms of how Imagine racist if it, it is. Imagine if it's a family of competing Asian families yeah. and they are not Who able has to have best any, 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 <laughs> I was just saying, any conflict or spiritual growth unless it's related to like an egg roll making competition. My general soul sauce is so much better than yours. It's just like, dude, like, dude, it's so. All right, so I, I want to explain, yeah. I want to explain the contrivance that lead us to this pizza making yeah, competition. Of which there's about a hundred. Which is basically, it's revealed that um, <laughs> the, the, the two elderly, the matriarchs and patriarchs of the family, they reveal that they're fucking. They make a point of emphasizing that they are not dating, they are just fucking. Mm-hmm. Um, so and the, whole, the whole family decides that they need to figure out some way to put this long feud behind yeah. them. Mm-hmm. So Adam Ferrara <laughs> so and, his, and his counterpart are like, all right, we'll end our pizza making competition to decide who closes their store because that will fix the feud. That will so fix they, the feud, as in yeah. the feud that was started by a pizza making competition. At the same, this very pizza making competition. Hopefully, will what, be resolved by another <laughs> pizza making contest. Yes. So, so okay. one of their wives, one of their wives, politely reminds them that um, this whole feud started at the previous pizza making contest, huge and they are both th- they are both in fact banned from said pizza making contest. <laughs> so, so the only option becomes for Emma Roberts and Hayden Christensen to act in their stead and compete for the best pizza, and the loser will close up their shop. And they all agree that <laughs> this will solve their familial issues. But like and they agree to that. Uh, just keep in mind, they agree <laughs> that, and again, it's shown as you could attest to several times in the movie that not only is this feud bad but the feud is affecting the economics of both pizza shops so that they're struggling from paycheck to paycheck to make money and yet right to solve because they're spending all of their money on weed to solve the, yeah a pound of weed to solve the feud made by the pizza making contest that has caused their families to go into the poorhouse they're then going to agree to not only fight again in the same pizza contest but that the loser will willingly give up their pizza shop become destitute and doom their entire family that's yeah. the, that and, is the deal being made. And they're going to make their kids do it by proxy. And then, yeah, and then these men who it, it's shown a thousand times are deeply controlling, deeply co- possessive. I mean, they're Italian. Um, abusive men uh, that disrespect their wives. It's shown th- multiple times that they would never let anybody use an ounce of sugar in their sauce. An ounce, you know, like, you can't change <laughs> yeah. the sauce. And then when it comes down to staking the family fortune on a pizza making contest they don't participate their children do who neither of which is the head chef of the pizza shop one of them Uh, has never worked at the pizza shop one of them is Hayden Christensen, who is making better pizzas in secret that his dad despises. Like his his, his, his big act of rebellion is making, He's making different, different. different. <laughs> that's and, that's the act of rebellion in a, in a pizza culture. It's dude, just making dude, it different. The whole argument is that Italians are so oppressive that like his way of freedom is to secretly use organic tomatoes to make sauce instead. <laughs> And like regular Italians won't accept anything healthy. I just, so but, and then Emma, uh, Emma Roberts is just like she's like I'm a Michelin trained chef. I'm not doing a fucking pizza competition. And they're like, oh, you don't care about family. 
It's another, and, I, and this might be going a little too far, but it's another thing too the, the, that rubs me the wrong way as like a chef myself for many years that in this pizza making hellhole that we've fallen into, apparently these old school, old world Italians think that a pizza is only a pizza if it's made with what? Cisco frozen ingredients? Yeah, like shitting Like the whole <laughs> entire purpose and now I work... I mean, it's a, it's Canadian pizza. Like. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be terrible anyway. Um, yeah. um, really funny non sequitur. The only time I ever went to Canada, I went to go see Daft Punk play in an airport hangar um, with Justice opening and I got super spun out and afterwards went to a Canadian pizza shop. So I have real world experience here because oh my God. I bought a slice of pizza and just to give the... the Did they have one Indian person working I don't there? I don't remember. I was blacked out on drugs, but um, <laughs> just to give everybody the, like, the impression that we're going on here, like Canadian pizza is fucking terrible to begin with. I bought a slice of pizza and the guy handed me a triangle box with my slice inside of it. And I was so wasted and I looked at it and laughed in this guy's face. I was like, you fool. Like, you, what are you doing? Like, what is this? Um, so yeah, that was unacceptable. So that's like the kind of people that were letting write what is essentially the most important and most focused film on pizza making culture I've ever seen. And it is also wildly inaccurate. Because like, again... Um, the, the disrespected idea in this paradigm of pizza making that we've been introduced to is that using good fresh ingredients is somehow the <laughs> negative but that is how Italians in the real world in, in Italian neighborhoods that you can go to are making their pizzas that is what separates it well no there's a there's an argument in the beginning where um the dad is concerned about bringing a hipster crowd in hayden christian he's like he's like i don't want you to bring any hippies around here and he's how like it's is, hipsters how dad is they have money freshly grown basil going to attract <laughs> a hipster i hope that freshly grown basil is on my pizza in the first place right <laughs> like like i got a pizza from seaville yesterday that had basil on it yeah. And at no point was I like, well, this must have been frozen. <laughs> I assume it came from a plant. <laughs> um, I just, just the idea that, again, like, to rebel against the, the institution, all Hayden Christensen <laughs> needs to do is grow oregano. It's maddening. In, in, in intense secrecy. In, in te yeah, in intense secrecy. He, he, like, he says to Emma Roberts, he's like, you can't ever let my father know about this. And like, can we... Uh, God. All right, I need to leave pizza for one second. Just for one second. <laughs> then you need to review a different movie. <laughs> <laughs> because then that like uh, the L or K plot is that Hayden Christensen is a sex addict in this movie. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's referred to thousands of times that Hayden Christensen is banging trillions of girls, right? Now, yeah, yeah. this movie does two things to Emma Roberts in terms of undermining her as a woman and a character. Um, one of those things is to, as we've talked about, um, make it seem as if chasing her dreams, her entire life as an independent woman are worthless compared to making a pizza with fresh basil. <laughs> the second of which disrespecting her as a woman and a character in this film this movie is deeply misogynist is that no matter what Hayden Christensen does to her 
she wants to fuck him so badly. And this is from Jump Street. There's no, like, usually yeah. in a romantic comedy like this, you have at least 10 minutes of playing hard to get. You have at least yeah. 10 minutes. And, and look, the whole movie is Romeo and Juliet. It's, it's on the crux and supposition that these are opposing forces against each other. And that because she left and followed her own life's dream, the idea of even if Hayden Christensen is hot, that's not going to impress her. But from the fucking second that she sees him, she is fucking drenched. Literally and figuratively. <laughs> and the fact of the matter is, like, there's a scene in this movie, Dan, where she has already, like, expressed to him that I like you, I slept in your bed, like, you, we didn't fuck, but, like, something's happening here. Like, a, ro a romance is happening. And you see it in Hayden Christensen's head that he's like, I like this girl, man. You? And they say, how many times did they say in the movie, Hayden Christensen has always loved her since, since right. Jump Street, right? So imagine, you're Hayden Christensen. Yes, you are a sex pervert, but... Also, your dream girl has come back, right, from culinary school. Not only that, she seems interested in you. Not only that, she is so hot. She's gotten like 190 times hotter than, than when you were kids. I mean, she's Emma Roberts. She's a goddess, right? She shows up into your town and is like, fuck me, please. Then a stewardess shows up on your doorstep. This is a woman right. who you fucking you know, probably gave her herpes a few times. She's constantly visiting Little Italy, Canada for some reason. You are the uh, ship in her port. You know what I mean? Yeah. So Emma Roberts comes up. This is like a day, a day after she sleeps in Hayden Christensen's bed, comes up to his door to say, hey, I'm sorry about this and that. Maybe we should have dinner, blah, blah, blah. Hayden Christensen opens, and opens up the door and this fucking like supermodel flight attendant rolls up with a suitcase <laughs> Because that's what people do when they travel, Dan. <laughs> they bring a suitcase, rolls up to his door and is like, oh, like, oh, who's this girl that's here too? And he's like, oh, this is my best friend from, you know, back when. And she's like, okay, well, we have to fuck now, so goodbye. And then Hayden <laughs> Christensen just turns to her and is like, uh, you heard the girl, I gotta go have sex. You wanna have dinner tomorrow night? And Emma Roberts is like, yeah. What? And then go okay, and then goes back to her friend, tells her friend everything. It's like, look, I, I went to his door, a stewardess showed up, walked around me, <laughs> went into his apartment, where he then said, I'm gonna go fuck this girl. We're doing it. You and I can have pizza tomorrow night though. Right? Yeah. I'm surprised you didn't pick up on the fact that while they're standing there awkwardly waiting for a Hayden Christensen to come out, Emma Roberts turns to the stewardess and goes, nice suitcase. <laughs> Implied. And it's a plot point. Ten minutes later when she's talking to her friend, she goes, um, yeah, and she had this, like, fake suitcase, blah, blah, And I was literally sitting there like, girl, where the have a fuck is your suitcase? Right? <laughs> I hope you know where this whole line is going to. Do you know where this is all going, the suitcase thing? Have I buried the league enough here? Uh, no. Okay, perfect. So you haven't picked up on it yet. So, um, uh, Emma Roberts... Besides, wait, I have an idea. Emma Roberts then lets this woman just fuck Hayden Christensen. And Hayden Christensen's very upfront about he has feelings for Emma Roberts. This could be serious. And he's acting like it's like a chore that he has to bang this woman. And just... I just couldn't get over it, Dan. I was just like, what What are they saying about Emma Roberts here? Like, she literally has zero self-respect. She goes to her friend and is like, girl, he fucked another girl. Stewardess showed up. Mm-hmm. And her friend is like, wow, that's some low-class, dirty Italian garbage shit. 
And then Emma Roberts is like, yeah, but I'm still going to have dinner with him. Like, she goes, I'm going to have dinner with him to prove to him that he didn't have an effect on me. Spoiler alert, three minutes into this dinner, she is creaming for him. Like, she doesn't give him one second of of respite. I mean, she shows up literally, like, in a, again, not sure where the dress came from, but in a gorgeous dress, (laughs) huge full cleavage to Anakin's house. And Anakin is like, and uh, Dan, they're going on and on about, like, oh, he's going to cook me dinner. He's going to cook me dinner. And when she goes into his apartment and he starts making her a pizza, and I realize that that is the special dinner, that, like, in this movie where everyone is eating pizza, it is everywhere, dude. It is flying out of the frame 24-7. It's so funny. It's the only thing he can cook. She's, she's, she's like, I'm a professional chef, but you're the one with the dishes. Incredible. I, I can't. Uh, like... <laughs> When you realize that he is going to cook her a pizza, like I literally, I almost blacked out. I seriously almost blacked out. Um, and she, she is enamored by it. Oh, she was like, "Wow, this though, this is impressive." And he's yeah. like, "I like to put mushrooms on the pizza." And she was like, "My God, stunning! Where, like, where did you get this inspiration?" She's like, "Where did you get mushrooms in Canada?" Oh my God, dude. Um. Okay, the the pizza making contest. Do you think we're there? Yeah, we're there. I'm done. I'm, get, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> um, uh, uh, I, this is the point at which I have in my notes. Just no, 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 no. Undercased and spaced. I don't know what that's about. <laughs> um, this is also the scene where uh, Anakin looks at her and is like, "Love isn't words; it's actions." And I was just like, Anakin, yeah, baby! All of your actions have been completely despicable <laughs> yeah. this entire movie. Love isn't words. It's the fact that I, in the course of this film, have fucked another girl. And just, <laughs> we're not going to talk about that. That just doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. um, Nikki. So anyway, uh, we, we cut back to Little Italy, uh, a town full of thousands of people, none of which are Italian. Um, crowded around the pizza making contest between yeah, you would think this is the Macy's Day Parade <laughs> between Hayden Christensen and Emma Roberts too. Who is the greatest Italian? Um, <laughs> they they because that is the only way they can express themselves. Obviously, yeah. it's, that's their painting. You know, <laughs> it's yeah. like let's ignore the fact that there have been like great Italian like artists, yeah. designers, Michelangelo, Da Vinci, <laughs> Little Caesar. Yeah. Mount Rushmore of Italian. (laughs) Waluigi. Um, uh, um, Anyway, they have a pizza making contest. They end up in an airport doing the romantic comedy thing. That Fanook Julius Caesar. No, that ain't my Caesar. (laughs) That Fanook Caesar. I'm wanting the little Caesar. I'm done. Um, John the Baptist? No, Papa John, baby. All right, so let's bring this. Uh, let's bring this to the most important part, most important plot point in the entire film, man. Um, I think he, I think you know what I'm referring to. Um, it's it's suitcase related, but um, <laughs> so the pizza making contest happens. Can you explain what exactly happens at the end of the pizza making contest? Like he used the grandma's. What was the switcheroo? Second swa- so, saw switcheroo. Huge plot so point. The, the, yeah, the whole movie, the underlying plot thread is that his crust is amazing her sauce is amazing uh she leans down to get some sauce while they're like balls deep in this pizza competition sees that their sauces are right next to each other and she swaps their sauce basically throwing the competition um 
The implication being that Hayden's a fucking moron. He's never going to get out of Little Italy. So she needs she needs him to win so that his family can keep having their pizzeria and he can keep making pizza uh, and she can leave to go. Because right before the scene prior to this, her boss was like, um, she was <laughs> she was like, there's no penis more important than a restaurant. <laughs> and, and it's like you better not be staying behind to like bang some pizza boy um, you have two weeks to show up here and pitch me your menu or I'm giving your job to someone else so she's basically going to throw the pizza competition in order to make sure since she wants to leave anyway to allow Hayden to win even though the prior scene was her slapping him in the face mm-hmm. um, <laughs> so she, she switches because she knows that the combination of Hayden's crust with her sauce is like a surefire way to win. I hate, I hate this. <laughs> okay. Um, so Hayden wins. Right. Um, Emma Roberts sees him win and then gets pause, into, gets into pause, a cab pause, with her pause, luggage. Pause. Okay. She gets into a cab with what, dude? With her luggage. So, after losing the pizza making contest, Emma Roberts walks behind the stage and cut to her <laughs> holding a suitcase. Uh, she pulls the uh, stand out of the top of the suitcase and starts rolling it to a cat. Now, <clears throat> I don't know if I've made it clear <laughs> that at no point in this film this woman had a suitcase or owned any luggage. She now has all of her belongings. And again, she didn't know how this pizza-making contest was going to roll out, and she didn't right. know how long it would take to do the judging, how blah, blah, blah. The cab is waiting for her behind the stage where her suitcase... <laughs> Along with her suitcase. With her suitcase as well. <laughs> like, I didn't know if Vinjay was trying to... This is like the turkey sandwich, dude. It is just a mystery that will never be this solved. Is like, this is like the uh, the microfilm in North by Northwest. <laughs> Her luggage is packed and ready to go. Little Miss, I didn't bring a suitcase. Yeah. Yes, it's a metaphor. I rest my case. When when white people experience growth, they suddenly have luggage. White people, they can uh, spring luggage from anywhere. They're always ready to vacation. <laughs> they call it their getaway bag. They keep it stored in their very ornate closet. They pick it out. They go to a room on a whim. Any country with brown people, they go, they drink the drinks, they come back yeah. home. The, the luggage packs itself. Yeah. So, uh, so Hayden Christensen wins the pizza contest. He goes up to give his ex- his uh, acceptance speech, as his father Adam Ferrara is reveling in the fact that Emma's Emma Roberts' family is entirely now destitute. Mm-hmm. Emma Roberts' family, who is the family of his mother's now like hus- like fiance, um, and Hayden Christensen gets up and is like, hey. Oh, or the guy goes, the, the judges go, the mixture of the crust and the sauce, it sounds like when your parents were, it tastes like when your parents were still friends. <sighs> and he goes, that can't be. So he tastes it and runs up to the microphone and is like, everybody, I can't accept this award. It's clear to me that Emma changed our sauce. My sauce never tastes this good. She's the one with the good sauce. Emma, come up here. And then someone yells out, she got into a cab with all her luggage. She's running to the airport. If you leave right now, we might be able to catch her. Um, again, though, and, and, and I want everyone to understand that this is a point in which the movie quadrillions down on saw switcheroos because finally <laughs> after two hours we're shown a flashback to what started the fucking pizza rivalry right this is like 
what happened between these two men? I was assuming they were gay the entire time. Um, what <laughs> happened between these two men that would start a Herculean yeah. Shakespearean feud that would last it's generations? Fil- it's filmed like it's filmed like the pie eating scene in Stand By Me. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it looks like a 1920s carnival. <laughs> it took yeah. it took place 18 years ago. It was like yeah. it was like two th- the year 2000, and it looked yeah. like old world Italy that they were suddenly in, even though it's the same in it, neighborhood, same contest. Yeah. Um, it's this is like in a mob movie where they like flash back to the 60s but again this is like 18 years ago um yeah right and uh yeah i mean you know just as if this movie hadn't uh, um uncovered its final pizza token it's like (laughs) again it's just an argument that just happened over sauce like it's just more of the same thing it's like their argument the whole movie they're teasing that it was some big thing now again because this is an Indian person who's making fun of Italian machismo. He's like, oh, well, you know, the joke is going to be that it's something little. It's like, the joke is that it's the same thing that has caused every inciting element of the plot already. That's why it's bad from a writing perspective, because they introduce nothing new to it. It's just like, these are Italians. All they care about (laughs) is pizza and sauce. Like, just if you thought that this is going to be about something else... Yeah, it's again the about pizza. Log, the decades-long feud that has led to arrests, deportations, <laughs> all stemmed because they t- collectively won this same pizza contest, and the judges asked them what they wanted to name the pizza, and one of them wanted to name it after the mother's sauce, and the other wanted to name it after the father's crust, and they disagreed about that, and the other one just, like, flipped a jar of sauce on the other one in anger. Just sheer rage. Um, finally, all everything that this movie is incorrectly set up immorally unethically comes to a close when we are greeted with a situation in which months later the organic pizza shop made from Anakin's garden is now flourishing whoa 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 whoa. you skipped the airport scene do we need okay take any airport scene from any romantic comedy you've ever seen insert Except, except it has the most poignant part of the entire movie, where Emma Roberts is about to step through security. Where security arrests and, all of and, these and, brown people for screaming at each other in an airport. And Hayden Christensen comes up and is like, Emma, I need you to stay and make pizza with me. I love you. You changed our sauce. And she's like... <laughs> you changed our sauce. And, and, and she's, like, she's like, Hayden, I'm literally about to get on a plane and fly to London and like get a career that I've been working at for the last decade that only a small handful of people in the universe ever get the chance to even pursue. I'm going to be rich, famous, and literally like a woman pioneer in my field. And he's like, yeah, but if you stay behind, we can bang and make sauce. And the, (laughs) the, 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 the Homeland Security officer turns to her and he goes, Girl, just keep walking. Seriously, yeah. don't make any life decisions based on a man's speech. Yes, or a man's <laughs> and, pizza sauce. Yeah. But Dan, that moment, it was like the most meta moment in the entire film. It was almost as if somebody with a common lick of sense had written it. Yeah, You right. know what it was? It's that like uh, after Vinjay let his mom read a screenplay, um, <laughs> that was her one comment. She's like, why does the woman have to ruin her entire career in life? And he was right. like, Ma, we're Indian. Yeah, <laughs> But, but yeah, she was. He, he was like, women don't have careers and lives here. <laughs> I thought you would. I thought you would call this out as your favorite moment because he gives this speech and the family shows up and they give a speech mm-hmm. and she turns and looks at them and then she walks through anyway and you're like, oh shit, she's going to follow her dreams. She fucking did it and they're all upset mm-hmm. and then she shows back up and she's like, what? I had to grab my suitcase. 
Oh my <laughs> god, I forgot that they kept going on about the suitcase. Because like at this point, you should know that I was completely numb. Like I was, I was completely numb to everything happening. I was letting it play out, and I was not with it anymore. Like obviously, in my notes, all my notes say at this point is "Holy cow!" in in quotations. Um, this movie is written by an Indian man. I'm fully done, and no, 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 twenty five times. Although I did. <laughs> My last note is, oh good, the only two Indian characters ended up together at the end. My last note is, the suitcase mystery has deepened tenfold. <laughs> I think that was in the airport. Um, Dude, at the airport, she disappears, and the whole like gotcha moment is that she disappeared to go get her suitcase. They really emphasized I can't with the suitcase stuff. <laughs> it really upset me. Fucking... <laughs> It's like, uh, and I knew I shouldn't have been thinking about it. I was like, I'm nitpicking, but then it just kept coming back up and kept contradicting itself. The girl did not have luggage. And yet the whole second half of the film is predicated on her luggage. Like, she didn't have a toothbrush. She didn't have makeup. She didn't have her hair straightener. She didn't have... This is... This is totally driving you up the fucking wall in this garbage six million dollar movie. But Damn. Tenet being Damn. like, if you if you fight yourself, you're gonna die, and then the entire oh, second that, act being him fighting himself, you're like that. Ch- that tracks. The plot fallacies of this film are so much more <laughs> obnoxious than Tenet. It's not. It's not worth comparing. Like like um, Emma, dude, ugh, Emma Roberts is arguably forty five thousand more times high maintenance than my wife would be if my wife were to fly somewhere for two hours she would bring a full-size suitcase right full to like to the brim emma roberts supermodel 10 out of 10 beauty is flying from damn london to toronto over the fucking ocean with no luggage, <laughs> no purse, she comes off of that plane and herself and the it. hat, and there's a line about it. <laughs> and then a two-hour movie unfolds in which she is seen to wear hundreds of outfits. Yeah, I love and that. And then leave I love with that. luggage. Like, they submitted. They submitted the first cut of this film, and they were like, they were like. Uh, no, she needs to have luggage. And he was like, I will not cut the line. It is symbolic for her character. It's just, what? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the point, right? The point is that she doesn't have luggage because they want to um, intimate that she, in her mind, only expects to be there for a short amount of time. But such, yeah, you don't ever... the allure of Hayden's fucking cock <laughs> and organic basil is too much <laughs> to live don't fly literally. internationally for a short period of time. No. Um, I'm, I'm just... So, so long story short is she abandons her dreams that she's repeated throughout the entire film that she spent 15 years working right. on. Um, totally gives up on her chance to be a chef to go open an organic pizzeria with Hayden while both of their parents own competing pizzerias. Yeah, I mean, I didn't understand who then is, like... I thought they were going to say maybe that both dads moved into one location and that Hayden yeah. took the other one. They already yeah. indicated that there was not enough customer yes. base to support both pizzerias. Um, in effect, 
we at the end of this film are made to cheer for Emma Roberts for destroying her career and Hayden Christensen to put both of their families out of business. That is the resolution. By gentrifying Little Italy. By making it less Italian. And they make make it okay by um, her boss showing up. Yes, this is what makes it okay. Yeah, her boss shows up and reveals to them that, like, she made food for a food critic who, like, got diarrhea, so her restaurant got shut down. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's what would have happened if Emma Robinson- Roberts had gone. But really, like... That's not true. What, what we know is that she had to choose an alternative menu because Emma Roberts did not show up to be the head chef. So that... That like, caused it. Even the most basic butterfly effect would indicate that that would not have been the case. <laughs> Dan, what is your review... For, now, all right. Okay, so uh, I, I suggested this on um, on online to you like yesterday, but we just can't anymore. <laughs> we can't with this anymore, right? The Golden Gun ratings, that is how the film is rated. That is our film critique, our film reviewer side giving a rating, but there has to be some other scale for like how pivotal these films are to our discourse. You know what I mean? Right. Like this movie is objectively... It's the longest episode we've ever recorded. (laughs) (laughs) This movie is objectively a 10 out of 10 for the Movie Blues podcast history, but as a film, what would you give uh, 2018's Small Italy? Yeah. As a film, I agree that this is a 10 out of yeah. 10 in the movie blues universe. <laughs> it is actually unbelievable that this exists. But as an actual movie, this is like a, a 2 out of 10 at the best. It is awful in every way. <laughs> All of its messaging is despicable. The performances are ridiculous. Yeah. The casting is ridiculous. Correct. The editing is horrible. Uh, it looked like a lifetime movie and a porno it like mix. Degrassi. Yeah, I mean, it, in Little Italy, it was uh, it was a low blow, man. I'm gonna say, yeah. How did it, how like I understand that Hayden Christensen's career is like in the shitter, so like he'll take anything. But how did they get? How did Emma Roberts' agent let this happen? I don't know. I mean, she is she's good in this, and and I, again, I'll be completely honest that I think that Hayden Christensen was good in this. Um, Given what he was given to come into this movie with, in that it is a two-hour film about tomato sauce, (laughs) and that he would be spray-tanned as dark as possible and have his hair dyed jet black, this could have gone way worse. You know what I mean? Way worse. They could could have just had James Franco do it. Uh, this movie is not one I would suggest to anyone who is not a direct fan of this podcast. Um, this yeah. isn't like um, Disclosure, where it's like everyone should see this movie. This is like um, only Italians and Indians should see this movie, or fans of um, the Movie Blues podcast with Dan and Dan. I kind of disagree. I think everyone should you see You think this everybody movie. should see this? You, you give this the wide is, recommendation? I put it in my group chat and was like, everyone watch this right now. If you, if you have any... <laughs> Any inclination towards, like, if you're, like, a Mystery Science Theater fan, right. like, if you are a fan of, like, The Room, like, this is a movie that, that, is true. that had, had a budget and is as bad as The Room. It is so stupid. It makes, this movie had, st- like, literal stars in it and was that fucking absurd This movie had an hour of nonstop laughs. I mean, an, an hour <laughs> straight. The first hour of this movie is so fucking blessed like when you Dude, when you oh wait, when oh you are God. revealed to have 
been watching Little Italy in Canada, it's like as if God came down and just yeah. blesses you. There, there's a moment where Alyssa Milano is uh, is talking to her daughter Emma Roberts about like relationship trouble, and they're like talking about sex, and she's basically like, "Well, you know, sex is like the crust of the pizza, but like, <laughs> but like the man is the sauce. <laughs> like, like everything is about everything is so about pizza." It's about the It's about pizza. It's unbelievable. It is a movie that does not travel from the subject of pizza for more than five minutes. <laughs> it's like the fucking Ninja Turtles, dude. <laughs> like, I've never seen a movie just double down on its own bullshit like this one. Honestly, it was incredible. Like, there's no relief. Um, there was no normal character. There was no. You know, they say that every every they can't decide if they want it to be dramatic or like cartoonish. Yeah, I mean, like, like every good movie like this. Like, look at my big fat Greek wedding, right? My big fat Greek wedding. You at least have the in of that character um, to hold on to. Whereas this movie, there's no one to latch on to. Everyone's making the wrong decisions. <laughs> Everyone is just focusing everything on the wrong things. It's just like a disaster to watch. It's it's something else. Uh, Did I ever tell you my story about my big fat Greek wedding? Not that we should be doing this at basically the two hour mark, but um, ever tell you my deal with that? No. So I, when I was in eighth grade, you shadow um, somebody in a career that you want to do. So I shadowed a movie critic from the Philadelphia Inquirer. Uh, okay. I went to his office. I saw what he did in the day. We went and saw a screening of My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Um, and this was way before it came out. This was like two months before it came out. So not okay. only was My Big Fat Greek, Greek Wedding a movie that nobody had heard of or was anticipating, but no one had any idea. It hadn't become the cultural yeah, phenomenon. No, no yeah. one had any idea that it would be like the gypsy Star Wars. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and um, me and uh, this critic went and we saw the movie, and then we went back to his cubicle, and we had an absolute laugh about it. We were like, this was t like terrible and, and stereotypically just poisoned. I mean, just an entire movie of cliche after stereotype after cliches. I mean, it's a similar movie to this in many ways. Right. Um, the fact that it made it so successful is that it is not fully about sauce. Um, <laughs> yeah, or feta, or feta cheese or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's as if that whole movie would have been about feta cheese and tzatziki sauce. <laughs> it would have not worked. Um, and yeah, we trashed this movie uh we were like then no one's ever gonna see this and he was like I'm the main guy is like i just want to put organic cucumbers on my euro um, and so yeah i mean my first introduction into the film critique world was making my first of many terrible calls uh, we were like no one will ever see this movie he gave it like a one out of four star in the philadelphia inquirer uh, and then it was like the biggest independent film of all time, like all time, over yeah. Pulp Fiction, like over like like all the biggest breakout first right. independent features from any auteur. <laughs> it was something incredible. So never underestimate a movie um, full of cliches and made for a specific niche of a, of, of a culture. The only problem is that movie was made by Greek people. This movie was made by a, a crazed this movie is made Indian for man. A niche culture that doesn't exist. It was made by a crazed Canadian Indian man and directed by a white man. So the cultural takeover is fully complete. The circle has been closed. Um, like the amount of time it takes to write a screenplay, like what what would possess this person to write this story like whose story was this to tell I, you know i wanted to say he's doing it for the for the indian guy and that's the secret sneak but the indian guy was the most offensive character in the entire film so 
Yeah. I uh, have nothing, have nothing but good things to say about this movie. Um, ten out of ten for the the movie blue cinematic universe scale. Uh, uh, two out of ten um, in terms of, <laughs> do you want to watch a movie where people are not aliens? <laughs> Where, where geriatrics aren't banging in a confessional booth. <laughs> Dan, anything uh, left you want to say about this one? Hey, uh, hey, it's a, that's a saucy baby. I didn't ask for that one. <laughs> that was an unsolicited baby. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>